everyone. Sorry, but I'm just putting the finishing touches to my new invention. It's a combination solar-powered pizza oven. And get this, a Bluetooth speaker. And it's a little fiddly. No! Oh well, electrical things can be tricky. And it's small wonder the news recently has spoken a lot about electricity and energy in general. But do you think about what keeps the lights on in your house? Mm, yes. Uh, not very often, I'm going to be honest here. We mightn't think about it as young people, because right now we're not paying the bills. I was out recording with a motley bunch of children last week, and I took the opportunity to delve a little bit deeper. I'd like you guys to think about the different ways that you use power and energy from the minute you wake up to the minute you get to school. Well, in the night, Tom doesn't like leaving the light off. So we turn on the Alexa, we turn the penny colour. And then we go to sleep in the morning, we turn off the light. Um, probably for jumping off, turning off my fan, turning on my light and reading my book. Well, like in winter, my parents would be complaining about how cold it is, so I'd have to go down the stairs, and one of the first things I'd do is turn on like the heat, because our house is not insulated very well. I'd zero for my breakfast. I take the milk out of the fridge, and the fridge uses electricity, and then I walk to school. I wake up, I go downstairs, I will turn on my lights and have a bit of breakfast. I would watch a bit of TV with my sister Nora and Tom. Tom. Maybe later on in the day, like 2 o'clock, I might be allowed to play my Nintendo Switch, which I like playing a lot. I like watching YouTube. Then I will have some dinner and go up to my bed, switch on my little lamp and... Read. Sounds like a totally normal day for any of us, but it does show how much we take our use of power for granted. That it's always there. But who helps us make sure that that keeps happening? My name is Sarah O'Rourke and I'm an engineer at a company called Airgrid and we run the electricity grid in Ireland. What that means is 24-7, 365 days of the year, there's someone in Airgrid making decisions that are you know, more or less keeping the lights on here. Um, we're controlling the flow of electricity the whole time. We're making sure that everyone has power when and where they need it. We're getting the electricity from where it's generated to where it's going to be needed. So from wind farms on the west of Ireland or wind farms in the Midlands to Dublin, or we're getting the power from power stations all around the country to wherever it's needed. And besides that, you know, we're looking forward into the future and we're doing some planning, planning for what's going to happen in 10, 20, 30 years time. This year is seeing a huge increase in the cost of our power for many, many reasons. The cost of fossil fuels has skyrocketed, made worse by the war in Ukraine. Currently, Europe gets 40% of its gas from Russia and they've half that since the war began. Although this has sent governments scrambling to find a solution, it's not coming fast and many countries are running campaigns asking people and businesses to reduce the power that they use day to day. These increased prices set alarm bells ringing and it means we should all think a bit more about how electricity we use is being produced. I mean, do you even know how it's made? Um, so different bits of electricity pushing together and then they kind of create what controls things. We probably get a a lot of electricity from other countries. It's made by different bits of wind and hot air and different stuff pushing together and they um, generate more stuff. 
we probably get a lot from fossil fuels. That's why we're doing climate change here now. I don't know if there's a lot of people who get their electricity from solar energy. My next-door neighbour has solar panels, and that's the only person I see with solar panels. They, like, power their own house, though, so... It's actually sort of complicated to explain how electricity is generated, but I'm going to give it a go. And it's all based on this principle of conservation of energy. So you may have heard of this thing that energy can't be created or destroyed. It can only be converted from one form to another. So if we're talking of wind farms, of wind generation, I kind of like to think of it as the opposite of a fan. So you know with a fan, you turn on, you give it electricity and it produces wind. So a wind turbine, it's the opposite. The wind is blowing through the wind turbine, making the blade spin. And that then goes down and turns a shaft and that shaft turns the generator and that produces electricity. And there's very complicated things inside the generator that's converting the kinetic or the moving energy of the wind into electrical energy. Aha, I think I see. But the fact that we're getting our power from multiple sources, some renewable and some not, means planning for a change is key. And Kodima are trying to plan those changes in Dublin. I'm John O'Shea, I'm the heat and electricity lead with Kodima, which is Dublin's energy agency. We're here in our office today in the middle of Temple Bear. You don't really think about it when you're flicking on the switch that much. I mean, I think the awareness is growing all the time, which is great. Even kind of recently with the increase in fuel prices and the war in Ukraine, you know, we put out little tips on how to save energy in your house, you know, turning down your thermostat, turning down the temperature of your boiler, making sure you're not heating rooms that don't need to be heated, you know, keeping doors and windows closed, keeping lids on pots, you know, all the all little things, but they add up and can, can make a big difference. Ourselves at Kodima, we've developed these home energy saving kits that are in all the libraries around Dublin. So if you go to your local library, you can kind of rent them out and there's little tools in there like uh, thermometers, you know, you can look around your house and see where drafts are coming in around windows and stuff like that and where you might need traffic suitors, thermometers to make sure that your fridge's temperature isn't too low so that it's not working harder than it needs to work or there's a little electric meter where you can plug in whatever utensil or whatever you want to check the power usage of and you plug the, <laughs> the plug of whatever you're using into this and then you plug that into the wall and it measures how much energy it uses. So it kind of builds up your awareness of where you're using energy in your house, how you can reduce it. So that's one kind of simple way, I suppose. And, and as I kind of said, all these kind of small changes when they're added together can, can make a big difference. I wonder if we had an easy physical demonstration of how much effort it takes to make power, would we think differently? Okay, guys, are we, are we ready? Everybody ready to go? Yeah. Okay, so three second countdown, guys. You're going to pedal as hard as you can for 20 seconds. Okay, so three, two, one, go. My name is Ken Murphy. I, I'm with a company called PedalSense. We're doing an activation here called Velocity. It's a pedal power challenge, so we're getting children and adults to get on bikes and pedal as hard as they can for 20 seconds just to see how much power they can generate. I just cycled. I bike that we We get a readout of their power, and then we, we show them on a chart just what that power really means in terms of a typical household item like a blender or a fridge freezer or... A TV. I'm natural. 
and an Xbox here. Green is putting out 483 watts of power. So that effort would power a fridge freezer for 20 seconds. So well done on that one. It's just giving you kind of a real world perspective on you know, how much energy is required around the home. We take energy so much for granted. We forget to turn things off. We leave things running. I suppose what we're kind of getting at is if you had to pedal power your home, there's no way you'd leave these appliances running. You'd no, way, no way you'd leave your, your lights running uh, upstairs when you're downstairs. So well done, guys. Well done. No, we're not saying we should all power everything by bike. Can you imagine? But it does help us think about the scale of the energy we use. Let's think about the kettle. It takes about two kilowatts of energy to boil it. One million kilowatts is called a gigawatt. Across Ireland, our daily consumption, including electricity, heat, and transport, is about 70 gigawatt hours. So, that's equivalent to one and a half million kettles boiling water constantly for the full 24 hours. Even if we just strip it back to the average daily figure for electricity in Dublin alone, that's still half a million kettles boiling away. No wonder we're in hot water. It's clear we have to change how we generate this power. And this is something that's already underway. If we're looking at maybe 10 or 20 years ago, we had very, very minimal levels of renewable generation on the system. It was very, very small. We were really relying mostly on gas. So the landscape of electricity has changed hugely over the last 10 or 20 years. And it's going to continue to change as we look forward into the future, even 10 years. We have this really clever system called the Electricity Management System, the EMS, and it's what they're using inside in the control centre every minute of the day. And it's more or less a map of Ireland and you can see exactly what's happening at every single point in Ireland. All the different stations, you can see how much power is flowing down each line, you can see how much each wind farm is producing, how much each power station is producing. You can see what we're sending over to Wales and to Scotland. This energy management system shows it all. And we have a display on our website where you can actually go and see how much of our electricity is being met from wind at any given second or from other fuels at any given second. That's called the AirGrid Smart Grid Dashboard if you wanted to have a look at it. Okay, that's pretty fascinating. So where are we getting our power from right now? We try as much as possible to get our electricity from renewable sources. So ideally, that's our main source of electricity in Ireland. I think it was in 2020, we had around 43% of our electricity came from renewable sources. So when we're saying that, we're talking about wind, mostly onshore wind, which is wind farms that are on the island of Ireland, as opposed to offshore wind, which is wind farms in the sea, in the coast of Ireland. We don't have too many of those yet, but they're up and coming. And when we're saying renewables, we're also talking about solar. So they'd be our main sources of renewable generation. But we also, when the wind isn't blowing or when it's not a, a bright sunny day, we have to have some sort of other sources to fill in the gaps. So then we've got some more traditional sources of power, some fossil fuels like coal plants or natural gas or peat or oil, power plants like these that help fill in the gaps on those less renewable days. As Sarah says, the grid changes from day to day. I'm recording this in late August 2022, and I just looked at the grid to find it's quite a mix. Gas is making up for 60% of the power generation, with renewables only making up 13%, and coal and peat making up the rest. Now that's on a day when it's not windy, and 2022 has been one of the less windy years. So weather conditions do affect our current renewable output. Our system is still very reliant on the burning of fossil fuels, and even our rubbish. But even here, we see adaptation. Yeah, a lot of what we do is making what we currently have better. In the case of the, the energy from waste plant, for example, that's still going to be burning rubbish and it's still going to be doing its thing. It's kind of primary businesses to deal with our waste, but it's also currently dumping a lot of heat into the Liffey. So 
if we can capture that heat, then we're making the whole system a lot more efficient. Those emissions will be happening anyway, but we're kind of getting more for those emissions, if you know what I mean. It's going to take a lot to change the system, absolutely. And AirGrid is at the centre of this transition. So the government has set some really, really ambitious climate targets for 2030 and for beyond that. And the targets are for the greenhouse gas emissions to be reduced by 51%. And that's for the whole country. But some sectors are going to contribute more to that and some are going to contribute less. And the electricity sector is actually set to reduce its greenhouse gas emissions. So emissions of gases like carbon dioxide and methane by I think 62 to 81%, which is a huge, huge reduction. And that's going to be achieved by transitioning to almost 80% of our electricity coming from renewable sources. So at the moment, we're at around 40, 43% came from renewable sources in 2020. So we're looking to double that by 2030. So in the next eight years, it's a huge, huge change. And that's going to be achieved mostly by offshore wind. We've got so many offshore wind projects in the pipeline. It's five gigawatts. Put that into context, five gigawatts. That's how much electricity the country of Ireland uses at dinner time, 6 p.m on a cold winter's day. So the amount of wind that we're planning that's going to be on the system in eight years time, it could almost serve the whole country of Ireland. So are we on track? I would say we are on track to achieving these targets and they're hugely ambitious. So it's not to say that it's going to be easy, but we have enough renewable projects in the pipeline so that we would be able to achieve that 80% target by 2030. But a lot of work is going to have to take place before that can happen. That's going to mostly involve changes to the current electricity system, the grid. The infrastructure, when the grid was built, I don't know how many years ago, you know, it wasn't built with, first of all, this level of demand in mind. So the demand in Ireland for electricity is growing and growing and growing as people start using electricity to heat their houses, you know, electric cars and data centers as they start coming onto the system, the demand is growing and growing. So the grid wasn't built with this in mind and it definitely wasn't built with renewables, this level of renewables in mind. So it's about optimizing the infrastructure we have as much as possible so we can minimize building new infrastructure and just make the most out of what's there. In things like offshore wind, there are certain barriers, I suppose, that, that kind of are making that process a little slower than we'd like, you know, around the planning. But that's starting to be worked through now by the government. So I think in relation to electricity, I think we, yeah, we definitely have a, a good shot of achieving our targets. One of the barriers John mentions is where the offshore wind farms will be built, which again shows how complex a solution we need. Building wind offshore is a brilliant solution, but it could also affect areas of our oceans that might otherwise be marine protected. It's a very tricky balance, made all the trickier by increased demand for power across Ireland. Like the biggest consumers and all that are heat and electricity. I suppose as part of that we, we have some large energy users, kind of industrial sites. You know, obviously on the electricity side you, you hear of things like data centres and stuff like that in the, in the newspapers a lot. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a mixture of things, I suppose. Uh, you know, we, we all consume a lot of electricity and we're going to consume a lot more probably as well you know with EVs and heat pumps and things like that the electricity demand is going to grow so we, we all contribute a bit a little bit I suppose but yeah some of the big users are, are, are things like uh, you know data centers uh, and stuff like that. The conversation around data centers it's very topical so we've done studies looking out to 2030 very conservative ones we've done some middle of the road ones and we've done some more extreme ones and I think in the middle of the road studies we're predicting that 20% of our electricity demand will come from large energy users like data centers by 2030 that's huge I think at the moment it'd be less than 10% so it, it is going to be a huge growth but the thing is we've considered these data centers in our plans for 2030. So I don't think we're ever going to turn away a data center and say that you can't set up here. But there is 
an enormous amount of work happening in AirGrid to make sure that wherever these data centers are connecting into the grid, it's not going to pose any issues for any supply or any constraints of power flowing down a line, like trying to get to their huge, huge draw on electricity. So we're planning for them and we're doing a lot of a lot of projects around them. A fifth of all of our electricity going to data centers. Whoa. Now I see why they're being talked about so much. But why are so many of them being set up here? Uh, There's a few reasons why we have a lot of data centres in Ireland. The first one being that we have uh, a big fibre optic cable network uh, in the country, so they have that way of transporting huge amounts of data uh, really fast. So we also have kind of good power reliability. And then I suppose there's things like, uh, you know, the economy and tax rates and stuff like that, so which make it really attractive for uh, companies to come to Ireland, you know, the same as Google and all these, you know, they all come to Dublin. And then obviously we're an educated, English-speaking workforce, you know, a lot of these companies are American. And then we also have some kind of natural advantages as well. Our climate is temperate, so it doesn't get too warm here, unfortunately. (laughs) That's good for data centres because they can have uh, large uh, cooling requirements as well to keep the data centres cool because it's like having a, a million laptops all in one place. You know, when you have your laptop on your lap, you can feel it getting warm. So it's like having all those packed into one building so they generate an awful lot of heat and that heat needs to go somewhere. So with kind of climate here, we, we can use things like free air cooling, which is kind of a lower energy method of, of cooling a space. Also, we're starting to develop things like district heating networks, which can provide free cooling to data centres and also provide a service to the local communities. So uh, if you've got a district heating network, you can, you can take the heat from the data centre and provide them with free cooling and use that heat to provide low-carbon, low-cost heating to surrounding businesses and homes and all that kind of stuff. Another solution to make better use of a problem, one that's not going away. In terms of of the data centres, I suppose you probably have to take a slightly wider view in that I suppose they are a requirement for modern life, as we all know now, with our Zoom calls and our GIFs and our sharing of videos constantly. So, um, yeah, they are required. And I suppose it's kind of saying, where is the best place to put these data centres? I suppose in Ireland, we're lucky that we have a high proportion of renewable electricity generation on our grid compared to other countries. So we're number one in Europe in terms of onshore wind, for example. And we have targets to, to do better than that as well to try to get to 80% renewables by 2030 and we have kind of huge natural resources in terms of wind in particular when you start to look at things like offshore wind. We're in a great position in Ireland where we're a small little island that's sort of you know off a big landmass but we've got the whole Atlantic Ocean where the wind is blowing across the ocean and it can get like up to these really great powerful strengths that are perfect for generating. We're blessed with that wind but What people don't realise, and I almost didn't realise this either, is with solar, we also can make great advantage of the solar as well. It's actually to do with the light of the sun rather than the heat of the sun. So, you know, in Ireland, we get these really, really long, bright days in the summer and we get so much light that we actually can take advantage of that and create solar energy from that as well. So between the wind and the solar, they're the main two that we can maximise here. You might even be a part of this yourself. How many of you have solar panels on your house? Those panels are working to warm your water and turn light into power. And the more people that generate their own power, the cheaper the bills and less pressure on the grid. And if we make enough, we can even start selling energy back to the grid. Microgeneration is definitely something that's factored into our plan. We had an open consultation on shaping our electricity future, where we received feedback from industry 
and from communities. And one of the key pieces of the feedback we got was that communities are really eager to get involved in shaping the electricity future in Ireland. And we believe that microgeneration should play a relatively significant role in helping us attain um, at least 70% renewables. So I think we've estimated that there's going to be 500 megawatts coming from microgeneration by 2030. And Airgrid's going to explore a new strand of funding that's going to support landowners and communities in transitioning to this greener and cleaner future by using microgeneration. In some Global South countries where setting up a national grid has proved too expensive or difficult, microgeneration is actually helping communities to get reliable electricity for the first time. But it's something that can happen closer to home too. No further than Kilkenny. My name is Donald Gallagher. Um, I'm, I'm one half of Asylum Productions. The other half is Maeve Lambert, uh, who also happens to be my wife. And we're based in rural Kilkenny, near a town called Callan. And uh, for a number of years now, we've been doing a lot of projects around sort of community engagement and working with people in the community, telling stories with, by and for the people in that community. At the beginning of lockdown, we started on a journey at home ourselves of decarbonising ourselves. So... Uh, oil prices dropped and we said oh let's fill the oil tank because we could never afford to fill an oil tank before and then I just said I can't do this anymore so uh, I went out and did a bit of research and uh, discovered the mysteries of gasification boilers uh, basically it's a way of, of producing heat by burning timber but it burns the timber and it burns the timber smoke so the CO2 that's released from the timber is minimal it's about 95% efficiency and while the timber's growing obviously it's absorbing CO2 so great when we put in our, our wood gasification stove I've been training Chloe and Robin to stack timber and as we were stacking the logs Chloe I was explaining how the the boiler worked like you know and she said so basically they're batteries for the boiler so we installed one of those and it was a disaster because we, we bought it cheap we didn't get a proper one and I invited this guy to come help me fix it and he turned out to basically be a bit of a genius and he had up this idea of well I don't know if he came up with it but he was very much driving it the idea of community energy the idea that every single town in Ireland is exporting a third of its wealth in terms of buying fuel whether it be oil for heating or fuel for cars and all that money goes out of your community and, and, and off into the world so what if a community was to produce its own energy and sell its own energy locally and that sounded like a good idea to me and he said he wanted to do it in Callan but uh, the biggest problem was getting people on board and opening people's doors to the idea and I said well I've spent 15 years opening doors in Callan so maybe we can help so we got together and came up with this idea of the energy store a place for people to learn about energy and learn about where their power comes from and what way they might use it differently and what way they might even produce their own and the idea was we're just artists we're storytellers I guess fundamentally so for us it was about telling the story and one of the stories that came up immediately um, which was really exciting was the idea that Callan had its own electricity supply company in 1909 so there was a local building called the Callan Powerhouse with a big fat generator and I think it was burning coal or anthracite but it was locally owned and it was producing energy for I think it was about 90 households by the time it got taken over by ESB uh, about 12 local businesses and there were street lights on the whole length of Callan in 1909 electric street lights which were unheard of people used to come and look at them and awe at their marvellous magic of electricity and this building is still there it later became the Bacon Factory and uh, um, it's now belonged to a local stonemason, actually, Seamus Kelly. We said, Seamus, any chance we could borrow your Bacon Factory? He said, sure, no problem. And uh, we set up a temporary space. So for one month, we invited the people of Callum to come in and have conversations about energy production and energy consumption. And we had lots of different demonstrations and kind of fun ways into thinking about electricity. Amusingly, this project about electricity was set up in a place that had none. 
But luckily the people of Clock Jordan Eco Village came to the rescue with a mobile solar generator. So we ran the entire venue off of solar power and a little bit of human power as well. We worked with another company called Lucy Smokes, who are an aerial circus company. They came up with this lovely idea of a bicycle-powered smoothie maker. So basically you get up on a bike and you'd pedal like crazy, and uh, that was connected to a blender. And we got all sorts of local ingredients and local suppliers, and you could come in and make your own smoothie. They made another similar device using two bicycles and an old scale electrics, which is kind of like an electric car racing set. And the idea with that is that two people get onto two bikes at the same time and you pedal like crazy and one was powering one track and one was powering the other track so you could race each other using your own energy power. Those trusty bikes again. Artists and bikes seem to be a recurring theme on Ecolation. I'd love to think that we at least planted some seeds of change in people's minds. I hope that the format of the place allowed for people to at least begin the conversation because this idea of a community energy company, I think before people can actually come on board with that and invest with that whole idea, there needs to be a much greater understanding of where our energy comes from and what it costs to produce it. And I don't mean just in terms of money, I mean in terms of the cost to the planet. Anything that can further that conversation and get people talking about it, I think is a good thing. And I think that was part of what we tried to do with the energy store was to get people talking in as fun a way as possible, to create a space that would lure people in the door under false pretenses, but then get them talking and get them thinking about how we make our energy. Because I think people get a little bit frozen with fear when they start to think about it, like, and, and it leads us to inaction. But it's just the small little actions that we can make. And once you start making small actions, then it starts to spark. My two daughters are 8 and 11, and soon enough they're going to turn into teenagers and they're going to start asking really awkward questions about what I've done as a parent and as a generation for their future and, and the good of the planet that they're going to inherit. So I suppose I want to be able to give some sort of good answers when those questions come. You know. And it's not just in Callan where communities are acting to secure a more sustainable energy future. My mum's involved in a project just like this with Connecting Cabra looking into what our energy future might look like in the part of Dublin where we live. But we can all play a part in changing the conversation, young and old. The SEI also have these sustainable energy communities. It's basically communities of people uh, in given local area that come together to kind of work on different projects to improve energy efficiency or install PV or, you know, all these different things. We're actually the, the regional coordinator for the Dublin region on that as well, and that's a, a really great initiative by SEI. We have some online maps that show what technologies are suited where, so you can take a look at that and be like, oh, right, this seems like the kind of technology that's good for my neighbourhood. There's just absolutely so much that young people can do to help feel empowered, to use that word, in shaping Ireland's electricity future. You could do things like talking to your parents about the energy use in your home. Things like, are your appliances energy efficient? Are your light bulbs energy efficient? Or even things like turning off the lights in a room that's not being used, closing the doors of a room that's not being used. These are things that your parents are probably saying to you the whole time and you're like, Thanks, mom. Thanks, dad. But it actually does make such a huge impact and it's going to save them money in the long term. So they'll be delighted that you've come to them talking about it. There's reading about this. There's listening to podcasts like these or, you know, studying engineering or studying those science subjects and getting involved. There's things like recycling properly. When you recycle an aluminium can, it uses less than 5% of the energy that was used to produce the can of Coke. So by recycling things properly, you're saving so much energy and it's such an easy, simple thing, just throwing something in the right bin. From big things to thinking about your career and future to smaller things at home, there's such a breadth of things that you can do. 
Every story on the news these days can be brought back to an issue of climate. The war in Ukraine, the massive flooding in Pakistan, data centres and the cost of living. Every bad news story seems to rotate around resources and our environment. In the midst of that, it can feel like Ireland's climate goals aren't at the head of the queue. But our move towards cleaner power is thankfully a better news story. So we had 43% of our electricity came from renewable sources in 2020. And then in February, we had 57% of our electricity from renewable sources. And there was one day where 70% of our electricity came from renewable sources. So we're definitely on our way to meeting that 70 to 80% target by 2030. And it depends on whether the wind is blowing or not, but we are working on projects as well that are going to enable us to have greater levels of wind on the system in a way that the electricity is still going to be guaranteed to every home that needs it at any time. You know, we'd love to just say, Overnight, we're going to have 100% of our wind from renewables. But, you know, you need to have the other sources to fill in the gaps. And when the wind isn't going to be there, you need to be able to guarantee a secure supply to people. Battery capacity is increasing to allow for backup, but not as quickly as we'd hope. And again, the story of batteries is one of extraction. Yet, humans never seem to stop innovating and people continue to work on cleaner power alternatives. In a study published last week in Nature, researchers at Cambridge say they've created a prototype of a floating solar leaf, which uses the power of the sun and the water to create the building blocks for syngas, a sustainable fuel. There are no super easy solutions. If there were, we'd have flipped the switch on them already. But it's nice to know in the circuitry of our electric grid, new routes are being plotted. There are a lot of large fossil fuel stations that are set to close over the next eight to 10 years. So it's those plants closing and being replaced with less carbon intensive power stations that are going to help us reach the targets. Thanks to Sarah of Airgrid, John of Kodima and Donal of Asylum Productions, as well as our Brain Trust members, Patrick, Nora, Tom, Rosa and Frank. It's unlikely our need for power is going to go down in the coming years, but it's good to know that there are people who are working towards the demand with our planet in mind. I think it does have to be a combined effort to get to where we need to go as fast as we need to do it. Everyone needs to contribute a bit. The big kind of energy companies and all that obviously are the ones that can have the biggest impact, but everyone working together makes the whole transition happen that bit faster. Ecolution was produced by Nikki Coughlin with edit assistance from Aoife O'Neill and presented by me, Evie Kenny. Good luck going back to school, everyone. I cycled back in yesterday. Ugh. This is our...